Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I have an anthology coming out called Moms Don't Have Time 2, a quarantine anthology. And it comes out on February 16th and has essays by 60 plus of the authors who have been on this podcast. So first of all, please pre-order this book. I think you will love it. I'm so excited about all the authors who are represented. Um, just to give you a few, um, Chris Bajalian, uh, Jewel Parker Rhodes, Ashley Prentice Norton, Gretchen Rubin, Rima Zaman, Eileen Zimmerman. And that is just from the first page of the multi-page table of contents. So please pick up this book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. It's available anywhere you buy books, Amazon, bookshop.org, and your local independent bookstore. So please pick up a copy. And also, I want to invite you listeners to my um, fundraiser slash launch party the night it comes out on February 16th, a Tuesday at 7 p.m., Bookhampton and the Children's Museum of the East End are co-hosting it for me. And 50 of the authors who wrote essays in this book, as well as many of the amazing authors who blurbed this book, um, who wrote little praiseworthy quotes at at the front, will be there. And you can be there too. So if you go to my website, zibbyowens.com, and just click on Anthology and go to Book Tour, you will see um, a whole fundraiser section. And for $50, um, you can attend. You'll get a copy of the book, and you'll get to schmooze on Zoom with all of these amazing authors. This is like going to be the literary happening of February. So please come. I would love to see you all in person on Zoom, I guess, but even see some of your faces. I know so many of you are really loyal listeners, and that makes me really happy. All proceeds of the book and the fundraiser are going to the Susan Felice Owens Program for COVID-19 Vaccine Research at Mount Sinai Health System. And it is named after my husband's mother, who passed away from COVID over the summer, which many of you followed along on Instagram as I uh, recounted that horrific experience. So all the proceeds are going there. The cost includes the price of a book. So thank you for supporting this effort and for supporting my book. I can't wait to see you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Page and Pairing. Page and Pairing is the weekly email that brings you book wine, and recipe recommendations, plus exclusive perks like author interviews and essays, music playlists, and writing tips. Sign up for free at pageandpairing.com. And if you're tired of wondering what to read, drink, and cook, Page and Pairing does it all for you, dropping all three into your inbox. Books are definitely better when paired with great wine and delicious food. So Page and Pairing is the weekly email that brings you all three curated for your pleasure and dropped in your inbox. Again, sign up for free at pageandpairing.com. 
This is a joint interview I did with two authors in a series. Ben Sand wrote a kid's book about white privilege, and Jordan Teary is the author of a kid's book about systemic racism. A little more about Ben Sand. Convinced that now is a time for pioneers, Ben Sand serves as the CEO of a venture nonprofit focused on empowering leaders and mobilizing community for the common good. Ben is a collaborator, connector, and convener. Jordan Thierry is a documentary filmmaker, activist, and storyteller. He has worked for over a decade to highlight the stories of people of color and working to undo the ongoing legacy of systemic racism in the USA. Welcome, Jordan and Ben, to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks for doing this interview together. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us on, Zippy. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, Ben, you're the author of a kid's book about white privilege, and Jordan, a kid's book about systemic racism in the new series of kids' books, which are fantastic, educational, inspiring, all the rest. So first, how did you two end up contributing to this series? I I guess I can go first. So yeah, I mean, I know the founder of a kid's book about Jelani memory from youth. We played basketball together growing up. And so we had done some work together as adults. He reached out, he wrote the book, a kid's book about racism. And we had sort of touched base and we're thinking about a topic for, for me to write. And then after the murder of George Floyd, we sort of, you know, reconnected and decided that a kid's book about systemic racism would be a really great topic to help people understand why these racial injustices uh, continue to, to thrive in our society that explain, you know, that phenomenon beyond the sort of, you know, individual one-on-one sort of racism as I think a lot of people like to think of racism, but looking at the systems that allow these things to continue. And how about you, Ben? Yeah, in a way similar, Jelani Memory, the CEO of a kid's book about is a friend of mine. And, you know, he and I have been in a conversation now together over a decade, really about what we're experiencing and are and are going to continue to experience in our country and in our culture as white people continue to resist their own exploration on the topic of their ethnicity. What does it mean to be white? While we've been talking about it for quite some time, I think in this particular moment in 2020, and as we look ahead, Jelani, I think feels that this is an incredible pivot that's taking place. And now's the time to make sure that we're having this conversation. And so he asked, and I said, yes. Amazing. So have you guys met before? We haven't. No. no? Oh my gosh. No, no. Ben, this Great is Jordan. You, Jordan, this is Ben. <laughs> Thank you, Zibby, for bringing us together. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I'm surprised there's no, you know, that Jelani hasn't organized some sort of meetup with everybody. But. Right, right. It's been, bu- you know, it's been crazy. It's been very busy over the last few months. So, and I think with the with the pandemic, obviously we, we haven't had a chance to do an in-person mixer or anything like that, but hopefully <laughs> soon. I get it. Well, when you were both writing your books, what were some of the things that you wanted to make sure to include? And how did you figure out how to get them into bite-sized information for kids, right? Because obviously writing for adults is way different. What's your experience been like talking to kids? I know, Jordan, you did a whole deep dive on on fatherhood. So I know you're familiar with that. And Ben, you're part of this contingent. So you're actively organizing people. But what about kids? Well, for me, at least, it was a, just really, really challenging and really uncomfortable somewhat of a process because this is such a, a deep issue. And there's just so, there's also just a lot of nuances. And, and then, you know, writing a children's book forces you to make a lot of generalizations, you know? 
And so that's the, the one part that I really struggled with was making the generalizations and like, of course, there's exceptions to all of these things, you know, but I think I have to have confidence in the parent that or the adult that will be reading with these children, right? And, and helping contextualize what's in the book and offer some of that nuance, you know, themselves based on their own lives and, and you know, their own family experiences. And I just have to kind of trust that process. I haven't gotten too much sort of critique or pushback yet, but I'm, I'm steady waiting for it. But, <laughs> but that was the, that was definitely the hard, the hard part was making those generalizations and, and knowing obviously there's exceptions to all these things, you know? So, yeah, but I think the kids book about team, you know, they have a, this, this process down pat and they really supported me and being comfortable with that and trying to tell the story and also not shy away from some of the just harsh realities that, I wasn't sure how to phrase some of those things about genocide, about slavery. And, you know, I was very grateful that they they were not shying away from those things. It is hard to package up genocide in a very, you know, yeah. when other books are about, you know, like sleeping sheep and, you know, it's, uh, right. that those are the choices at the end of the day. So exactly. how about you, Ben? So I have three children, two biological white girls and my son is half Vietnamese, half Mexican. And so we've been having a conversation about their whiteness for as long as as they really can remember. That really was, for me, I think, where this started to percolate. As someone that lives in a very kind of multicultural community and the work that I do intentionally engages communities of color, part of what what I was longing for was a, was a, a method to try to translate our internal family conversation to a conversation that could spread with the world. And, and, and honestly, you know, I live in Portland, Oregon. And so when George Floyd was murdered and the protests began, of which those protests continue, I think the white kids in my city were seeing these protests and were asking questions about what they meant for them. And it struck me that there are not a ton of resources out there to talk to white kids about their white privilege in a manner that actually asks them to acknowledge it, to give it up, and to use it for the benefit of others. And so, so much of the narrative around white privilege has been co-opted by kind of a culture war that's questioning whether or not white privilege even exists. But when you ask the question, what does it mean to be white in a moment when we're asking big questions about race. It felt like now was the time to do that. And so for me, it was a bit of a translation of taking evening pajama conversations and putting them in a book that, that could be brought to homes across the country. Well, you, you did it. <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Congratulations. <laughs> Even the format, I feel like this is totally digestible for kids. Do you know what I mean? I have a six and seven year old and then two 13 year olds, although forget about getting them to do anything, but the little guys I can still read to. So no, the colors, the message, the questioning, it's an engaging versus didactic type of read for kids, which I think is so important. You know, what is like really exciting you guys? Like, <laughs> is it that this content is getting out there? Is it that you're a part of it? Like there must be something that made you stop and feel passionate enough about this that you were like, yes, I'm dedicating all this time to writing it and marketing it and getting it out there. Like, what is it for you personally that 
made you the ones to do this? For me personally, I'm just really excited to be in company with folks like Ben and the other authors who I think we're all really focused on this really positive just message for our young people about you know love and hope and resistance and change acceptance, right? And I think at the end of the day, that's probably what the, the kids' book about legacy is is going to stand for, because all the books to date have been in that vein. And I think it's just going to have a really positive impact over the long term. I'm also just really excited to be equipping parents and teachers with something to help get these conversations started with their kids and their students. Yeah. I, you know, Zibi, for me, I think what's exciting to me about the book and a kid's book about, you know, any of these topics that are being discussed, but particularly the topics around race, is it feels that we are pushing conversations with a generation of kids that are going to be in leadership in a really critical moment in our country's history. I imagine that we're looking at a 20-year arc in this conversation. Some of the elders, some of those generations that have gone before us are not prepared to have this conversation at scale. And we're seeing a polarization as a result of that. And there are many leaders that have huge concerns, you know, about our inability to have a conversation about race and the wealth gap in our country. And as a result of that, the inability to have that conversation, what, what it's led to is those that are in previous generations rejecting the idea of critical race theory or systemic racism altogether. So to be able to make a deposit into a generation of young white kids to ask these questions in in critical moments of their formation, for me, feels like it's it's a very strategic move for a 20-year conversation that has to take place with a quickening pace for the days ahead. So in 20, 30 years, we'll be watching the election and they'll say, well, it all started when I read this children's book. One book. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure that's what it's going to be. be. Yeah, I had it on my shelf and I kept looking at it and then you can say, there you go. Ridiculous. (laughs) You never know. I mean, people have things, I think about different children's books all the time. It's a good time to really, you know, get in there and, you know, if you can learn a whole new language without even trying that hard, it's a good time to learn a lot of concepts that when you're older, maybe they're too challenging or not too. I mean, I'm not saying anyone should give up. I'm just saying, you know, the impressionable brain at the young age is a good time to get positive messages around. Do you think that getting to a place where kids don't see race is where you want things to go? Or do you want kids, would your goal be having kids today grow up acknowledging, like when I was growing up, I feel like everybody was like race, you don't, we don't see race, right? Like in, when, in all my education and all that, like I didn't even realize it was like a thing until I was older and people were polarized around it because I grew up in a really diverse education environment and all this stuff. And I like didn't think twice about it. But there's so much focus now on race that I feel like, especially for little kids, they might not have even really noticed it before. Is it better to notice and sort of probe the differences or is it better to just be like, okay, well, like her skin's a little darker than mine, but like, I don't know, whatever. Do you understand my question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll take a crack at that. Jordan's book really addresses this, I think, even uniquely beyond mine. But I think it's absolutely essential that we have conversations about the black experience in America 
and the experience of what it means to be a part of the Latinx community. What we have not done historically is taught white kids about their whiteness and help them to understand that their whiteness has been rooted in a systemic unearned advantage that they benefit from and have been benefiting from for some time. So when I think, when we think about race and whiteness in particular, which is what this book is certainly focused on, we won't be able to have a conversation about race that builds bridges until white people learn about their whiteness. And when I was, and I do this a lot, you know, and when I talk to white people, I ask them like, when was the last time you ever thought about what it means to be white? And the vast majority of white people can't answer that question. They're not thinking about their whiteness. They don't understand where the term came from. They don't understand how deeply rooted this systemic kind of unearned advantage has been. And they certainly are uncomfortable with exploring the topics in Jordan's book around slavery and genocide and the laws that were created. And so from my perspective, we won't be able to move forward until white people understand their whiteness and then begin to wrestle with it in a way that's critical. And that means that to understand your whiteness, you have to understand how whiteness has created adverse effect at a systemic level for people of color in our country. And that needs to be named and parsed out carefully, in my view. Jordan, what do you think? I mean, I agree with I agree with everything you said there, Ben. Thank you. You know, for me, this is not about trying to work towards a colorblind society. It's about trying to work towards a an inclusive, vibrant society where these inequities and injustices don't exist. And so the book, I think for me, is helping encourage young people to take into consideration the history behind the inequities that we see today, right? And that goes not just for for race, but I want them to understand that too for gender, right? For sexuality, right? So we can kind of contextualize these inequities and then work our way backwards to try to address those root causes. So if the book helps kind of train that mental framework for young people, then I'll be very, very pleased. So... As authors, in addition to, I would say, advocates and almost history teachers and, you know, documentarians and all the other amazing things you guys do, as authors, when you sat down to write this book, like, what did you learn about yourselves in terms of, like, any sort of advice on writing children's books, on getting your messages out? Like, what would you tell someone else who was like, you know what, I want to A, help this problem and B, do so through reaching kids? Like, what would you tell them? I would say the key here is let your life speak and look back on your life and try to identify that thread that, that brings you to this point where you have a longing to write, you have a longing to communicate. So much of, of I think, the, an author's experience is, is really about exploring their own identity. And so for me, as a white person and my own white experience, being able to, to write about whiteness and then to want to talk to other white people you know, about this is really a culmination of a journey that I've been on that pivots me to this moment to enter into a new kind of chapter of of that journey. But I think for me, it was just as important for me to come to the text looking for my own growth in light of my own journey. And any aspiring author or anyone that wants to communicate to kids, I think needs to also imagine how that topic 
impacts them and to write from that, that kind of intimate personal space. So I'm feeling like, is there a memoir coming on this, on the heels of this? Ben? I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. It's a kid's book about, yeah. it's a book about you know, Ben's yeah. life. <laughs> no, no, that's right. that's not as well. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree with everything Ben said there, but picking up kind of on those notes as well, you know, I think, people should value their own lived experience, right? And, and a lot of people just don't. They don't think that their own, their own experiences, their own stories have value for other people to know and learn from. And I just, that's one of the biggest things I'm always pushing for as someone who does documentary work is like, no, share the story because someone is going to benefit from it, right? So that's, that's the one thing. And, and so like Ben said, kind of write from that place and explore your own identity, your own experiences. The other is a more sort of, I guess, practical, sort of tangible thing, because there's a lot of fantastic children's books out there that deal with issues of race, gender, sexuality, uh, culture, but they don't get out there, right? I mean, because the children's publishing industry is sort of so rigid and there's, you know, just only a few big players, there's a lot of these really fantastic books that just don't have this type of reach and what you know, I'm learning from a kid's book about because they've created just a really valuable pipeline for new kind of content to go directly to consumers instead of having to go through the big players in the children's book publishing industry. And the marketing that they're doing is just incredible. And so with some of our books being included on Oprah's wish list, like the kind of reach that that's getting is just, you know, I never would have imagined, right, for this children's book. And so I think trying to pick up, pull from some of the lessons that, from what a kid's book about is doing in terms of the marketing and the outreach and not having to go through the big, the big players in the industry, I think people can learn from as well. It's a great point. Well yes, great point. Definitely the advice is get on Oprah's list. I'm going to put that at the top of my list. Of <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> that helps. That definitely helps. But first you have to have great content. So that, that's the right. first step. Well, thank you both. I'm glad I could be here to introduce you to each other. Maybe now you guys can go have a nice, yeah. interesting, <laughs> dynamic, thoughtful Absolutely. conversation of your own without me bothering you with my questions. And thank you for contributing to society and trying to help the next generation. I think that's really admirable of you. And it's just big thumbs up as a parent and an whatever I am these days. Anyway, as a person. <laughs> so so thanks. That's it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us on the show. Thank you so much, Zibby. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, man. Thanks to pageandpairing.com for sponsoring today's episode. Go check them out, pageandpairing.com, the weekly email that brings you book, wine, and recipe recommendations. And just a reminder again, please pre-order a copy of my book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology, and go to my website under the anthology tab for the fundraiser, and I hope you'll buy a ticket and join me for, and I should have mentioned, um, all proceeds go to COVID-19 research. So please join me for the fundraiser. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time To Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 